case. Hope Not Hates are basically controlling Britain. Hope Not Hate, an alluring name for those more concerned about social justice than truth. These backwards, these backwards thinking, virtue, sig- virtue signaling, fake news crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Hope Not Hate podcast. I'm Matthew McGregor and uh, we're doing this podcast because... Uh, it's Christmas time, the most wonderful time of the year, and we are launching our Christmas appeal at the moment. Uh, in the past, we've done these on uh, funding the campaign against the BNP, uh, funding our undercover work inside far-right organisations. This year is a bit different. This year, we are uh, launching our Christmas appeal to try and fund our work in schools, our education and, and training team. Uh, everyone, I think, saw the uh, the video of the of the racist bullying that took place, uh, the Syrian refugee, uh, and it really brought home to a lot of us um, the uh, you know the importance of the work that, that our team does. But being being based in the office and and uh, focusing on our research and our campaigning, we don't always get a chance to see the ins and outs of what our education team does. So I, I wanted to sit down. Uh, today with uh, Owen Jones, who's our, our head of education, who's usually out of the office, usually in schools, in classes, to talk about our education work, why it's important, and why we've launched this Christmas appeal. Owen, thanks for thanks for joining the Hope Not Hate podcast. Your your Hope Not Hate podcast debut, very very first one. Yes, um, I do want to talk about our education um, work, but I, I have to ask because people always ask me, uh, do you get confused with Owen Jones from the Guardian all of the time? Uh, isn't well, when it comes to his book launches, I get a lot of that. In fact, I got a very angry email one time in Nottingham. We had a Hope Not Hate meeting a few years ago, back room of a pub. And this woman, uh, this uh, woman turned up and was very angry that I wasn't the the Owen Jones. <laughs> she thought it was like a, a, a yeah. The a fact talk. that you know one of the probably the biggest pol- uh, political uh, commentators in the country being in the back room of a pub in Nottingham didn't really seem to set an alarm off in her head. But, but she was angry before you spoke. But presumably after you'd spoken, she was absolutely delighted. Yeah, and... She stormed out of that particular meeting. But yeah, <laughs> normally I win most people over. <laughs> I did. I did. Um, I got to admit, before I joined the organisation. I, I did see an email from you and, and did think, well, hang on a second, what but you've got brackets H and H in in your email name. Have I? Yeah, that is that somebody, like else, somebody else? Somebody yeah. else is doing you a favour. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're our head of, head of education and training. Uh, you you obviously have been doing this for a while, and I'm I'm still fairly um, new to the organisation. Just talk us through what what is it that our education team does? What do you do day by day? Uh, so we go into schools now. Going, going back full-time on the education stuff, about two years. What we go into schools really is trying to get students to have a discussion and understanding of where prejudice and discrimination comes from. So we try not to go in there with the idea that, you know, accidentally or uh, causing it, calling anyone racist or sexist or homophobes. The idea is let's have an honest chat about it. What is prejudice? Uh, how does it prejudice form into um, discrimination along with st- and stereotyping? And then to get that, that conversation going, it's very much... Um, a very open space for the children to discuss these these matters, uh, so that we, we try and be as open as possible to try. We don't what we don't want is to be where if, if you've got these views and you hope not hate come into your classroom, they think right, I better be keep quiet for an hour because they'll just call me a racist. Which hopefully we we do it in a, it's such a way where they they can actually ask these questions. They can say you know why why can why can't I as a white um, male in society use certain words where other people can't these are questions you come quite a lot and we just try and get that discussion going we, t- we talk about all sorts of society issues and historical things it's um, interesting and on the, on the on 
you know, with the idea that if you get people talking about them, there's resolution to those. It's it's about getting rid of the ignorance around it. So it's about, I think if you look back historically, we've had to we've say half a century ago we looked at racism and then we're everyone this is what racism is you need to cut it out and then we went on to sexism in the 70s and 80s then homophobia and now we seem to back on to transphobia and sexism if we can just have a discussion like that this is prejudice right this is what prejudice this is why we have it in our brains this is what it, the consequences of are there's negative and positives of it and this is what it looks like and it's here's how to sign, spot the signs of you or someone else is doing it then hopefully we're able to re-educate someone every time another another issue comes along in our social consciousness. So that's what we're trying to do, get a real holistic understanding of this stuff. And that starts with uh, the questions and debates. But then obviously we are, we see ourselves as, not, we're not fully qualified teachers. That are not, not, I've got so much respect for the people in that system and the, and the work they put into their syllabuses. But I think we do have a guiding hand towards the theory and, and uh, outcomes we want. And how does that go down with, you know, kids in the in the classroom. I remember, uh, you know, people would come into class and, and do things back when I was uh, at school, and it was quite fun to have a, a different uh, person talking to you other than you, your teacher. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, does d- does it go down well? Do you usually get people engaged? Are, the, are these discussions that, that that kids are already having and, and are grateful to the, have someone talk to them about them? Yeah, that's what we get. A lot of feedback we get from the students is about it's great just to be able to talk about this stuff, about to express their opinions. I think if you if you know we're coming in and you you, you maybe you, you think we're going to be sort of like you know the thought police coming in uh, and shutting everything down, I think they're quite surprised when we actually go no, like you know, we're 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 okay to have this conversation. We're very very used to it. We've been working communities for, for you know for the best part of a decade uh, where we're used to having these conversations. So it's no different in the classroom, except I find that. Seems to be much more of a any any funny opinions you do find in the classroom don't come seen from a bad place. They come from a genuinely inquisitive place. Maybe their conclusions are a bit wrong, uh, but we just try and have a, discuss that. And may either go maybe they haven't made the right conclusions, or just sort of point out why in society we don't particularly uh, like certain phrases or certain actions. Yeah, uh, you just remind me. We've had uh, Rosie, our colleague Rosie, has been on this podcast before, and um, she's often coming from a research and polling and focus group perspective has often got quite gloomy news about the range of really challenging and and um you know right-wing racist views that there that, that there are with some people some communities around the country and so it always feels quite um i don't want to say depressing because it's important to have a an accurate understanding of what's going on in the country um but you know rosie has often got quite bad news and i always feel um, much more hopeful after talking to you uh, because you, you know with you, you know, what you just said even when people have got views we might disagree with or views we want to try and challenge or change um, on the whole most people are pretty good they want they want to get to a good place and you know kind of arming them with empathy I've heard you say before helps with that yeah yeah certainly I, I, I do think I think when you when you meet someone we go into areas where um, they're very monocultural uh, not, in a, not in a bad way, just, you know, the very rural areas, um, lack of jobs normally. You know, why would a migrant move to an area where there's no jobs? It doesn't really make sense. So they have they have very limited experience of what, say, life is like in big cities. And they find, and they find that not only the fact... 
I think it's mixed in with other things. So the life in big cities for a lot of these areas is very intimidating. You've got suddenly, like take London, you've got suddenly millions of people living together. Things are busy. On top of that, the people they're seeing, the way they, not even just um, the, the way they look, but the way they're acting and, and interacting with each other is very different from, say, um, rural Cumbria. And I think that that sort of intimidation by areas like London, Birmingham, Manchester can inadvertently come across as as racist because they are taught one of the things they find scary is that is the, is the difference of it and a, a part of that is the fact that there are, there are lots of non-white people there and and we, we talk a lot about I don't know if you heard this stuff uh, like cultural poverty or not come across that where people just haven't got the experience to modern day culture and they can just by asking questions or making statements that they for, for them is just in the natural um conclusions for us people like us and very used to modern day britain can see it come across as, as intolerant or racist when similarly it's just it's a very a position of, of ignorance around what life is like outside of their very small communities and i, I think it's, it's it's getting the students to understand that mm-hmm. and also mixing in there with, with with why that could could why stereotypes can lead to discrimination i don't think the majority of children are take, making that leap i think most of them have have stereotypes around certain parts of this country, but thankfully very few jump into discrimination. But it's about again to be both understanding that um, what's going on there in their own minds and also feeling comfortable uh, to have that conversation in their local community and with their friends and family. And how does it work with um, uh, you know uh, teachers and, and how, how we interact with the schools? I mean, we've talked to I've talked to teachers before and, and often union uh, representatives who we've met with. Who say that you know um, the uh, use of social media in particular and, and some of the, the far right um, themes and memes that come from those people across the country who have access to means that lots of additional they're having much more challenging conversations with mm-hmm. with kids in their classes and, and at school um, people saying things that they've seen online they don't really necessarily know the meaning of but are um, really unpleasant. Uh, uh, how 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 do how does the work you do support teachers? I mean, is it, are we kind of coordinating with teachers or what, what are we offering to them? Um, we see ourselves as a catalyst to change in schools. We're, we know we're a small charity. I know we've had trouble weight. We are a small charity. There's only so much we can do and with the limited budget we have, which I guess is the reason behind this, this campaign. But uh, I see ourselves as a catalyst to change. And I think um, one thing we try and promote is the idea of a whole school approach. So I think in the past it's been a case of, right, it's the PSHE teachers or the citizenship teachers that need to deal with this. And when an issue comes along, a lot of teachers you know, shy away from it. They want to say the wrong thing and make things worse. Uh, but I just think if you had, if you had, when you've got your drugs policy in schools and a, a, uh, some, a child gets caught with some drugs on them in school, you wouldn't go, right, that's the chemistry department's problem, not mine. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do that at all, would you? So I think it's the same with this. When a, when a student airs these opinions I think it needs to be we try and get it to the point where all the teachers at least know the opening conversation to have before referring on to safeguarding lead or the, the, the tutor and also with you mentioned social media such a big thing now that the, the alt-right and far-right are very very good at using it very very good at framing their arguments in a way it doesn't seem extreme so getting across very extreme ideology in a, in a, in a quite um, a clever way so I think a lot of students understand that what they're reading is is not quite in keeping with the rest of their values but they're not sure why and they want to talk to an adult about it and they may be embarrassed to tell their parents they've been looking at stuff online for fear of 
punishment or having their phone taken away or whatever. I think if you're going to talk to someone, you're going to talk to your favourite teacher. You're not going to talk to the... You might even know the, the designated safeguarding lead. You might have known the PSAT teacher, but you might, you might be really best mates with your history teacher, and that's the one you want to talk to. And how do we have a conversation where we, we discuss these things, why it might be problematic, without inadvertently closing them down? Because back in the past, it was always a case of, if, if, as long as your children, like, if the parent, as your children or the teacher, are keeping away from racist Dave in the lo- your local village, then they'll be fine. But now racist Dave's in all their pockets, on their phones. And so we need to, have a, we need to rethink how we talk about issues of uh, racism, sexism, homophobia, uh, ableism, etc., in a way that allows a student to, to, ha- to come to their own conclusions about why it's wrong. I think that's, that's going to have a last, much more lasting impact than me saying simply, don't look at these websites, don't listen to that person. Before we um, talk about the Christmas appeal quickly, why we're here, uh, I just want to ask about um, you know, anti-feminism, uh, the, the manosphere online, and um, the growing culture of... Um, uh, uh, you know the, the kind of backlash against uh, more e- equality uh, and of feminism more generally. You, you've told me in the past that you've you've seen that in schools. Is there is there a different approach to countering that? Is that a, a more of a focus of our uh, syllabus? And you know, I'm just interested in what you think about that. Um, yeah, this is something that's quite big for us now. Um, I've so going to a school where I went to a school uh, in Essex. Um, you know where I'm, it's where I'm from. I'm very proud from Essex, but it's got its problems. Very well documented. And they, there was a class of year seven pupils who were deeply Islamophobic, had a real problem with it. It all came from terrorist attacks. They'd never met a Muslim. Um, they'd actually, they, thought, they actually thought all, all black people were Muslims, which was um, another hurdle to go past. But they were open to the idea of talking about it. They were open to the idea that Muslims could be good people and open to the idea that not all Muslims were terrorists. It took, we were spent four weeks with them to try and get, just try and get this message through. Actually, we actually introduced the Muslims to class to have a discussion about the religion and the culture and stuff. And we managed to get through. With sexism and misogyny, it seems as if there's now a whole host of uh, mainly young boys, some with females as well, but mainly young boys, who are just anti-even discussing the idea that um, gender equality exists, uh, feminism um, isn't an extreme position, and that is a serious challenge for us. Now, we need to... we. If we had the resources, I would love to be able to reshape our syllabus to tackle the manosphere and tackle this stuff that's coming in online. Mm. Well, we're, we're launching this Christmas appeal because um, we, we, we are so passionate about the work that Owen and his team are doing in schools, and we think it's so important. Um, but it's actually quite difficult to secure the, the funding for. We, um, we don't charge schools for the, the work we do. We don't want that to be a barrier to um, uh, schools having us in, particularly the schools um, we really want to reach. Uh, so we, we don't charge schools for the, for the classes that we deliver or the, or the teacher support we give. Um, and it's, it's a, it, you know, the schools we're going to are often rural, they're often outside of, uh, well, they're all usually out big, outside of big cities. And so we've had a real challenge to, to secure uh, all of the funding that we need to continue the work we want to do um, into next year. So uh, we've launched our Christmas appeal. We've got a target of reaching uh, £25,000. We will be able to expand uh, and adapt the syllabus in the way that Owen talked about if we go past that £25,000. But we're really, again, calling on Hope Not Hate supporters to, to chip in. 
Um, it's it's a it's a big amount of money, but we've we've done this before, and we we definitely wouldn't ask unless it was uh, uh, really important. So over the next month or so, Owen, I know you're making or have made a, a video with our with our team to talk about your work that we want to share around, and um, we'd encourage people as well as donating to please share that video when it's online. Uh, we'll, we're going to get some teachers involved to talk about the work that they've done, uh, and also um, uh, some of the hope not hate ambassadors do you want to quickly talk about that program yeah so one of the things we realized is that we once we've got we have an hour of the students and that's all the schools can afford to give us really so if we have this ambassador scheme where we spend uh one hour a week with them for for a month and it's really getting the students to understand once again it's understanding how prejudice works how understanding how discrimination works and how uh, low level language feeds into all of this and we can get which we've, we've got uh, a few schools have done it with us now we have a, a small army i guess of of students who, uh, they're what we try and encourage them to do is they they sort of they're there to continue the conversation for the rest of the school and for the rest of the community. So the, the stuff that we talk with them in the classroom around uh, why th- the messaging behind certain phrases we use, like for instance, stopping so girly. What, what is the actual message behind that and the and the negative stereotypes that carries on in society? And get them to go it in a friendly way because we believe you're much more likely to listen to your friend saying it than someone like myself or a teacher. So we want to carry on that work. We'd love to expand it as well. Uh, we honestly can only do that with the help of Hope Not Hate supporters. So please take part in our Christmas appeal this year, whether you can give £10, 25 50 This is the way we funded our programmes uh, in the past. Uh, nowadays, it's called crowdfunding, um, but we've been doing this for longer than that phrase has been around. Uh, I know we ask a lot, uh, but we need to ask again. Uh, please go to hopenothate.org.uk slash donate. Uh, look out for the content, share it with your friends, talk to people about why you've supported the Christmas appeal. Uh, and uh, we'll report back over the next few weeks online about uh, our progress to our £25,000 target. And hopefully we'll be able to uh, fully fund our school's work for 2019. Thanks, Owen, for the work that you do. And thanks for joining us for this podcast. It's a pleasure. <laughs>